Amazing love, how can it be that thou, my God, shouldst die for me? One of the most profound hymns in Christianity, that great hymn writer Charles Wesley. Thank you. Marcelo Martins, Andrews Academy Silhouettes. Thank you, Nathan Miller. That's the young man at the keyboard, a very gifted young man. Oh, God, amazing, amazing love. You, for us, please speak. And may we hear you now. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. He's home for spring break. Ah, no more classes. That grin on his face is stretching into a broad smile. And what's more, what does mother do tonight? But she spreads his favorite comfort food on that supper table. It doesn't get any better than this. He's lying on his boyhood bed, looking straight up at the ceiling, that grin still on his face. Ah, what a life. When he hears the sound of slapping feet, Outside his bedroom window, down on the alley. But hey, when you're living in the city, you're used to sounds like that. And he is rolling over to his contented sleep when more footsteps, a pack of footsteps, slap, 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 slap. The boy is curious. He jumps out of bed, throws the curtain back, looks out, full moon. And in the shadows of the moon, there they go, another pack of runners, but his eyes nearly pop out as he looks at the man coming up behind the pack. He recognizes it's his own home church pastor, and the pastor slips by and behind the pastor. Men from the church of all things tonight, what's up? You can't be a young man and not be drawn by that. I got to check this one out. So he jumps out of his bed and races out of his bedroom when boom, he stops and this is the embarrassing part of the story. He remembers that he has gone to bed without anything on. We're talking about buck naked. <laughs> he can't go running like that. He grabs this sheet on top of his bed, wraps it around himself. I got to catch him. And he's down the stairs and out into the alleyway, the moon shining its silver as he races to catch up with that pack police running now. No. What's going on? What are we going to have? A rumble in the city park? He gets to the gates of the city park, and sure enough, there's a band of young men already in the park. Here comes this other band of young men. The police are surrounding the second band, and our, our spy, shh, doesn't want anybody to know he's here, of course, is ducking behind the trees, getting as close as he can to this showdown. Some words are exchanged. He can't quite hear from here behind the tree, but... And then suddenly angry voices erupt, and then there's a scream. The police lunge at the first crowd in the park. And this young spy knows this is time to get out of Dodge now. Shh, I'm out of here. And as he runs, a hand out of the dark grabs him. A strong grip has him by the arm. He's caught. 
But with the adrenaline that adrenaline that's now flowing, he wriggles in that iron grip and slips out, leaves a sheet in the man's hand and starts running for home. Naked. The boy in a few minutes plops onto that same boyhood bed, his mouth dry with adrenaline, his heart pumping with fear. Naked in the night. Naked, but at least not dead. Wow. It's hard to believe that that bizarre tale is told in the Bible. Yep. Book of Mark. Open your Bible to Mark chapter, Mark chapter 14. Book of Mark 14. Drop down to verse, short little story that it is, verse 51 and 52, book of Mark. And here it is, Mark 14, verse 51, a young man wearing nothing but a linen garment. <laughs> I didn't make it up. Was following Jesus. Oh, good thing to do, I guess. When they seized him, he fled naked leaving his garment behind. Come on. Are you serious? That's in the Bible? Sure is. The young, well, scholars are quite clear that this is none other than the young John Mark, the author of the story who anonymously inserts himself. Let's call him John Mark, the patron saint of third millennials. That would be you and me. Not getting too close to Jesus, uh uh-uh, but close enough to see the action, yep, without having to make any commitment, uh uh-uh. That's the story of John Mark that begins right here. (laughs) Let's you and me pull out the story pad and just sketch a few lines. For surely in this story, you're going to find you and I'm going to find me. I believe we will. So let's turn to the first place John Mark shows up anywhere in the Bible, yep. Happens to be the upper room. That's right, the upper room where Jesus and the twelve have just been. John Mark was there. No, 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 no. He's not around the table, no. His mother prepared supper somewhere else for him. I've actually seen it. The room, the house where John Mark lived. Yep. Archaeologists have excavated the entire house in the city of Jerusalem, and and they are absolutely certain this is the very house that has a broad and wide upper room. I've preached in that upper room. It's big. The very house where John Mark lived. The house where the Last Supper took place. John Mark was there. The house where Pentecost took place and the Holy Spirit is poured out like a firefall. John Mark was there. The house where they're gathered tonight with an all-night prayer meeting. You know why? Because tomorrow morning, Peter will be beheaded if God doesn't intervene. And they're praying their hearts out. Yep, we'll go to that moment. John Mark is there. Watch this. First time he appears in the New Testament. Here it is. Acts chapter 12, verse 11, and then Peter came to himself. This is Peter who's been sound asleep. On the eve of your death, you're sleeping like a baby. You must be pretty secure. And he is. The angel said, get up, boy. We got to get out of here. Like magic, the doors are opening. 
Closing, open, closing. Guards are all asleep. Peter thinks, I'm, I'm sleepwalking. That's what it is. He gets out into that fresh night air, and it suddenly hits him. Here we go. Then Peter came to himself and said, Now I know without a doubt that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from Herod's clutches and from everything the Jewish people were hoping would happen to me. Now it's the next line. We meet John Mark. When this had dawned on Peter, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, also called Mark, where many people had gathered and were praying. My, my, my. It's the upper room. The same upper room. The the very first church headquarters for Christianity in history is that borrowed house, upper room. And John Mark, young John was there. Because it's not just his mother's house, it's his house too. You bet. It's quite possible, as we put the pieces together, that John Mark's dad has died. Died young. Must have been wealthy. Because his mother, a wealthy widow, offers her house as the first church of Christianity. Interestingly enough, we find the very same generosity in somebody else in the early church story, he too is a Jew who becomes a Christian. And he steps forward and says, I have a piece of property and I'm selling that property and I'm going to give the money to the church. And that's what Barnabas does. Barnabas from Cyprus. Man, it must be that Mother Mary of John Mark and Barnabas are somehow related. Not related only in generosity, by the way. Oh, no, there must be a little family tree going on here. And in fact, when Paul describes uh, John Mark in uh, Colossians chapter 4, verse 10, he refers to Mark as the cousin of Barnabas. That's how the new translations put it. But the King James actually renders it sister's son to Barnabas because the Greek word can go either way. Nephew, cousin, hey, we don't know. They're related. So who's surprised when Barnabas and Saul who've been on a mission to Jerusalem, by the way, the very night of that prayer meeting. They are in town. They've come down from up north, the, the, the Gentile bastion called Antioch, where they've planted a church. They've come down, and now they're going to go back. Who's surprised that when they go back, let's make this a party of three going home? Who do you think they might have invited to come along? Watch this. The last line in chapter 12, you don't have to guess. When Barnabas and Saul had finished their mission... There in the holy city, they returned from Jerusalem, taking with them John, also called Mark. Come on up here, Mark. We're going to have a time together. Yeah. But the plot thickens now. Turns out there's another prayer meeting. Let's go to that prayer meeting. You'll see. very next, uh, next line is chapter 13. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Oh, I like that, I like that line. There are people today who are saying that there's no, the Holy Spirit is just this little uh, nothing. He's not a member of the Godhead. There is no Godhead. Those people are so dead wrong. I'm sorry. The Holy Spirit is a separate person. He's a separate being. There's there's God the Father, there's God the Son, and there's God the Holy Spirit. And here he's saying, not separate them for the Father, not separate them for the Lord. No, for me. I want you to separate Barnabas and Saul for me. I have something for them to do. 
And do you know what? That very same Holy Spirit has said that about you. When you were born, yep, just like the little baby this morning, probably. The Holy Spirit said, I want that girl. I have something special for her to do. I want that boy. I have something special for him to do. I want to tell you something. Your life is no accident. I don't care how you got here or why you got here. You're here and God has wanted you here. You're here because God has a, has, a, has a dream, a vision for your life. Set apart that boy for me. Set apart that girl for me. God doesn't need, God doesn't need just anybody. He needs boys and girls who are willing to give everything to him. For what? I mean, what, what do you think the work, what do you think this work is, this work that the Holy Spirit has? This is a no-brainer. You know what the work is? To become an air tag for Jesus. That's what it is. (laughs) I want you to help me find lost people. That means no matter what your occupation is or ever will be, you still have the same work. You and I have the same work. Help me find, be an air tag for me. Help me find the lost. I have a special work for you, girl. Boy, I have a special work for you. That's why he needs us. Which is why, by the way, I remind you, Acts begins with this huge red-letter promise, which we've already been to. This winter series is from Acts. You've already picked up on that. But let's go back to Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Just before Jesus ascends to heaven, he speaks these words. You remember these words? But you will receive power. He's talking to 11 men. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be, I promise you, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Come on. Yeah. And I know what you're saying. You say, not me. I say, what do you mean, not you? No, I mean it. It's not me. (laughs) You're crazy. No, I do not have witnessing as my spiritual gift. I already know it. Not me. You are so dead wrong. Witnessing is not about spiritual gifts. Witnessing is about being a universal role. Every man, woman, and child that follows the Lord Jesus immediately has the moment you say, I'm following you. It's no gift. Everybody has the role. You're going to be a witness for me. I've watched guys fall in love on this campus. (laughs) Little tongue-tied dudes that they are. I've watched them fall in love, and then I'll bump into them a week later. Yo, bro, tell me about that new girl of yours. Oh, oh I'm not, I'm not going to talk about her. No, I'm, I'm not going to talk, talk about her at all. Come on, give me, just show me a picture. You've got to have a picture on your phone. No, I'm not going to show anybody a picture. I hate to have to do something, and I'm not going to do it. Are you kidding? I don't care how tongue-tied that boy is. The moment you ask him about that girl... He's all talk. Why? Because he has a special relationship with a special somebody. And I'm so glad you asked. Do you have an hour? (laughs) Come on. I see it all the time. Don't tell me you can't be a witness. What is a witness? Who has somebody who has a special relationship with a somebody that you haven't met yet, but I'm going to, I can't show you a picture, but I'm going to tell you all about him. That's a witness. You don't do it because you're obligated. You, get, you do it because you get to do it. So what does Jesus say here? When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, 
When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you little tongue-tied boy. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you little tongue-tied girl. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will be my witness to the end of the world. Yeah. How cool is that? Well, the prayer, the prayer meeting is just ending. We, we, got, we caught them right at the end. So here's the next line. So after they had fasted and prayed, this is up in Antioch, remember, Paul and Barnabas, after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on the two of them and they sent them off. Here we go. The adventure begins. The two of them sent on their way. And I love this. Sent on their way by the Holy Spirit. The Spirit's the one who sends you places. They went down to Seleucia and sailed from there to Cyprus, Barnabas' homeland, home island. And when they arrived at Salamis, they proclaimed the word of God in the Jewish synagogues. And here it comes. John was with them as their helper. That's John, that's John Mark, the young John. There he is. Oh, wow. But after, oh, mercy. After a harrowing experience with a demonic sorcerer, John Mark is saying, I'm not so sure about this calling business. This is tough sledding. Ah, oh, come on, boy, you get over it. Gets better. Verse 13, and from Paphos, so they're leaving Cyprus now, Paul and his companions sailed to Perga in Pamphylia, where John, oh, where John left them. Can you believe that? Where John left them to return to Jerusalem. Ah, bummer. I can't believe that. John Mark, patron saint for third millennials. Maybe that's you. Maybe that's me. Chickening out on God. Isn't that what we do? We chicken out on God. Can't do it. Not for me. Hey, listen, folks, we might as well admit it. Our default focus as a generation alive today is me, me, me. We've been well-schooled. Thank you, Abraham Maslow, for teaching us that the highest, the high-octane pinnacle of human need, the top of that pyramid, what is it? Come on, scholars, what is it? Self-actualization. And we forget that we've been schooled by Jesus of Calvary who says, if you want that high-octane pinnacle, it's not self-actualization, it's self-crucifixion. You offer yourself as a, as, a, as a sacrifice for others. That's what Jesus says. Jesus says, you who live in a me, me, me world, I have to change, I have to change the pronoun, third person, them, them, them. I have to move from first person to third person so that you can do what you were born to do, which I, what I've called you to do. Set apart that boy for me. Set apart that girl for me. Please, I got him. You got to move from me, me, me to them, them, them. And who are the them, them, them? They are the lost, lost, lost. That's who they are. That's it. It's a no-brainer. Guess what? 
I can't preach this into you. And you cannot preach it into me. And, and I cannot preach it into me. I'm wrapping up 50 years as a pastor. 40 years right here on this campus. I'm wrapping it up. I've tried. Oh, through the years I have tried to preach it into you. Preach it into you. But finally, some stuff doesn't come till late in life. Finally, it has occurred to me. You can't preach it into nobody. There's only one way you can go from me, me, me to them, them, them. Only one way. And it's this. I'm absolutely convinced. You have to ask for it. You have to pray for it. And if you're saying this is so simple, this is so simplistic, the reason you're saying it, I'm letting you know, is because you have no idea of the transfer yet. You haven't made it yet. And that's why it's no big deal. Oh, it's a big deal. It's a huge prayer. God, move me from me, 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 please, to them, them, them. Come on. I'm going I'm to get really up front and up close and personal with you now. When's the last time? I'm, I'm serious. When's the last time you left your little morning worship, whatever it is, wherever it is? When's the last time you left with a prayer to Jesus? With a simple little prayer might go something like this. Lord, make me a humble witness for you today. Let me cross the path of someone who is lost. And let me bring you to them. I.e., in other words, make me an air tag today. I'll find them for you. Do you know what? God cannot do it. God cannot do what he's asking you to do. That's why he's asking you. If he could do it, he would do it. If he shows up, it's over. Nobody will listen to him. Nobody does anyway. If he shows up, psh, they're gone. He says, I need somebody that looks like her. I need somebody that acts like him to show up for me. You'll be way better at this than I am. When the Holy Spirit comes on you, you will be, I promise you, you will be a witness for me. It's just we got to get the Holy Spirit. Well, that's not so complicated. Have you prayed this prayer? I'll be honest, I'm just going to really be up front with you. There are many days I don't pray it either. Many days. I'm only at the end of my, I'm not going to say life, but at the end of my uh, career, so to speak, starting to get it. I repeat, there is no other way to shift our focus from me, me, me to them, them, them. We must ask for it. We must pray for it. But why do it? Because you've been born for it. You were born for this. And if you do it, you will realize your destiny. Without it, your destiny is incomplete. I'm telling you the truth. That's why this is so important. You got to pray it. Hey, by the way, this prayer that you and I have been looking at in the few weeks that we've been in the book of Acts... Acts 4, Acts 4, 29. You remember that prayer? I'll put it on the screen for you. Now, Lord, enable your servants. And listen, you're a servant of Jesus. I'm a servant of Jesus. Now, Lord, enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. That, there's, that, that is not a me, me, me prayer. A me, me, me prayer would have been keep me out of jail. Just keep me out of jail. That would have been me, me. No, no, that's them, them, them. Help me to do it better. Give me great boldness. I want to articulate for you. I want to speak for you. I want to do this with all the power that you promised. Enable me. 
That's a them, them, them prayer right there. Ellen White, that little American, that, that American writer, she pleads for us to pray the prayer that will get us from me, me, me to them, them, them. I've been carrying this quotation around for years. I want to share it with you now. It's a good time. Put it on the screen. Watch this. Are you using all your powers, Dwight, in an effort to bring the lost sheep back to the fold? I want to insert your name. Are you using all your powers? You just inserted it. Good. In an effort to bring the lost sheep back. This has nothing to do with your occupation. This has nothing to do with how you make money. This has nothing to do with nothing. If you're human and you've accepted Jesus, I'm asking you a personal question. Are you using all your powers in an effort to bring the lost sheep back to the fold? There are thousands, boy. There are thousands and thousands in ignorance who might be warned. Keep reading. Pray as you have never prayed before. That's, that, that, that's, that's pretty uh, intense. Pray as you have never prayed before for the power of Christ. Now here it comes. Pray for the inspiration of his spirit that you may be filled with a, what is this word here? That's all, the, that's, that's all this quotation is asking. You just ask for the desire. You don't ask for the event. You don't ask for the act. You don't ask for nothing. You just say, give me the desire. Ask for the desire. Pray for the inspiration of a spirit that you may become filled with a desire to save those who are perishing. Ask God to give you the desire because once the desire is there, you will act on it. That's the deal. If the desire is there, you will act on it. The reason you're not acting on it is because the desire is not there. You're trying to force something. Oh, do I have to show you her picture? Do I have to tell you about her? Why are you making me do this? The desire's not there. You have to ask for the desire to be implanted in your heart. This is key. This is huge. If you take this one line away, that's all I'm standing up here for, is that you go away and you go back to your room and you're going to pray, God, I need the desire to reach lost people. I'm not asking you to help me reach lost people. I just need the desire to. Because once you have the desire, you can't help it. You will do it. I'm promising you the truth. You will do it. That's why that prayer is critical. Because if you don't want to, God's not going to make you do it. Why would he? He's ruining your life. No, he's not ruining your life. He's, and he's giving you a chance to move into your sweet spot of destiny. But he can't get there unless you want to get there. Give me the desire. Give me the desire. Wow. And that's what's happening to John Mark, by the way. He quits. He ducks out of the missionary team called Paul and Barnabas. He's gone. I'm out of here. I'm back to mommy. I'm back to, I'm back to my bed at home. I'm back in Jerusalem now. Hallelujah. Goodbye. Tough work. Hmm. And he would have disappeared from history. Were it not for the God who never gives up on us, who never gave up on John Mark either. I said, no, you're not. You can run. You can run, but you can't hide. I came back to Jerusalem with you. Don't quit. Do not quit. Some of you have tried witnessing before, and you're absolutely convinced, I can't do it. Yes, you can. Of course you can't. But the spirit who is in you will do it. 
And it'll give you a freedom that you've never known before. That's why you were born. Just ask for the desire. Winston Churchill, these words are reputed to have been spoken by him. I'm going to put them on the screen here. Success is not final. Failure is not fatal. It is the courage to continue that counts. Don't quit. I know you've tried it before. Maybe. You're a teen. You're a teen. And you say, I've never tried it before. Oh, you're perfect. You're ready to go. Just like John Mark, you're ready to go. You've tried it before and you failed. Forget it. What is this? Success is not final. Failure is not fatal. It is the courage. It is the courage to continue that counts. Praise God, Barnabas continued with John, young John Mark. He continued to mentor young John Mark. And so did Peter back at church headquarters, by the way, in Jerusalem. Peter saw that boy coming. Peter says, I can do something with this boy. The boy feels like a failure. Peter says, how do you think I feel? I shame myself. I shame my Lord. The whole world heard me. Crash and burn. I did it. Come here, John Mark. And Peter puts his arm around that boy like a whip puppy. And he says, come here. Come on. You and I are going to start over together. We'll be fine. You'll make it. Ah, oh, thank God for godly mentors, men and women that just feel burdened to, to do something for the young that they move among. You know, that's what a teacher is. The teacher is a mentor. I don't care what your subject is or discipline, whether you're a graduate or undergraduate, it makes no difference. You are a mentor of the young who have paid big bucks to sit at your feet. That's what mentors do. They just put their arms around. They just love on them. And you do it well. We, got some, we have some wonderful mentors sitting here right now. Sitting in this community right now, loving on the young, who are hoping somebody will take me when I crash and burn and say, girl, it's not the end. You're going to be okay, and I'll be with you. Boy, yeah, wow. Scholars believe, in fact, that this, well, let me, just, let me just show you. It's not a whole lot of scholarship to draw this conclusion because when Peter writes a letter from Rome, watch what he says at the end of 1 Peter chapter 5. Here we go. She who is in Babylon, that's code language in case a letter ever gets uh, picked up and turned into the authority. She who is in Babylon, where's Babylon? Nobody knows, but the Christians know that's Rome. She who is in Babylon, in other words, the church in Babylon chosen together with you sends you her greetings and so does my son Mark. That mentoring has meant Mark has gone with Peter to Rome. Scholars believe Mark is there translating for Peter. Because Mark is bilingual. And scholars say, you know what? That explains it. That explains it. He's been following Peter around. He's been, Peter, all, all, all that Peter knows how to preach are the stories of Jesus. When I was with Jesus... And Mark has heard every story till he could do it himself. And one day the Spirit said, hey, Mark, you've heard all those stories. Why don't you put them down? They'll call it the gospel of Mark, but you and I know it's the gospel according to Peter. And it is. Scholars are clear. These are Peter's stories. But you can tell by the details that Mark inserts that no other gospel writer does. Oh, when you feel like you've crashed and burned, somebody comes on and comes along and loves on you and suddenly your life story has been rewritten and you are ending in a way you never knew could be possible. Mark is in Rome 
when two of his heroes, Paul and Peter, are executed. Paul, a hero of Mark, whip puppy. Hey, I got some good news for you. The story gets even better. Somewhere along this bumpy way, Paul, who accused Mark of desertion, and you will never work with me again. Do you understand it? Your failure. Somewhere along the way, those two men were reconciled. Paul mentions Mark four times, and he can't say enough about him. I'm going to go to the last one. Because Paul's going to die in just a few weeks. He has no idea. He's writing to another young friend of his named Timothy. He says, Timothy, you've got to get here. Get here before winter. I don't know if I will make it. But notice what he says. I'm in prison. I'm in prison in Rome. And he says, only Luke. Good to have a doc with you. Only Luke is with me. Hey, come on, Timothy, get Mark and bring him with you because he is helpful to me in my ministry. God can take the most emotional breakup and heal it and put the pieces back together so that everybody wins. Isn't that something? Come on. He's helpful to me. This is my boy. Peter calls him his boy. Paul calls him his boy. That's John Mark, patron saint of third millennials, who, after Paul is beheaded and Peter is crucified, tradition says, upside down, John Mark steps, into, steps onto a ship, sails across the Mediterranean, sails to Africa, to Egypt, moves into the city of Alexandria, and tradition is clear. He plants a church, the first Christian church in Alexandria, the first Christian church in Africa, John Mark. The crash and burn failure becomes a hero because God never gave up on him and neither did his mentors. Wow. They were, John Mark made such an impact on Alexandria, they celebrated it by tying a rope around his neck and dragging him through the city until he was dead. Adios. John Mark was the first to ever record these words of Jesus. We heard him just a moment ago. Hear the words again. Mark 8, 35, whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me, and only Mark adds, and the gospel. Because Mark has learned that's what you sacrifice for. And the gospel. Only Mark will include that. But whoever loses their life for me and the gospel... Will what? Save it. Save it. The boy died saved. Because God doesn't know a failure when you're his friend. And that was John Mark, patron saint of third millennials. It's the only way, by the way, to move from me, me, me to them, them, them. Right there. Take the cross. You'll be fine. I want to send that prayer to you. Let's go to the Connect card, and then I'll pray with you. Go to the Connect card. Do it on your device. You know the number, 269-281-2345. I want to send that prayer to you so that you can print it off. You can keep it where you have your morning prayers or your night prayers or whenever. Just text MISSION4. To these numbers, 269 281 And you'll get immediately 
you get the uh, Connect card, and it'll have three next steps. Here are the three. Here are the three. Number one, I want to move from a me, me, me focus to a them, them, them focus. Oh, boy, me too. Sign me up, Jesus. Get me out of the me mode. Get me into the them mentality, please. Put a check mark there. Put a check mark here, and this will be the prayer now. Please send me that prayer. I can pray each new day, and here's the prayer. God, grant me the power of Christ and the inspiration of the Holy Spirit that I may be filled with a desire, with a desire to save those who are lost. You, you click that box. You just hit send. That prayer will come to you in a reply. You'll get it as a text reply. You will have that prayer. There's one more box. I want to be baptized in Jesus and receive the power of the Holy Spirit to ignite my witness for Christ. That's how you move from the me, me, me to the them, them, them. You follow Jesus. You get baptized. Some of you have not been baptized. I have no idea why. It's not, none of my business, really. But I wish you would make a decision to be. It's as simple as making a decision. There'll be no angels singing when you click that box. The, the angels sing when you get baptized, trust me. More joy in heaven over one sinner who gets saved. But just click the box. It's that easy. Why wait? Come on. Click the box. I want to follow Jesus. I want to move out of my me, me, me state. And I want to help him to reach the them, them, them. Just click that box sitting in the back of the church, sitting in the balcony. You're online right now. It'd be good for you just to do this because you want to you follow Jesus as well. You click that box and you're somewhere on the planet, we'll get your decision to somebody near to you than we are. We'll get in touch with you electronically. If you haven't made a decision to follow Jesus, come on. John Mark, take a page out of his playbook. Be sold out for Christ. I want to pray with you. Oh, Jesus, Heavenly Father, Holy Spirit, separate those girls, separate those boys, separate that people from me. I have a work to do. We want to be, we want to be in that. So do whatever it takes. Just give us the courage to pray the prayer. Give me the desire. Dear God, give me the desire to save lost people, to reach lost people. Let me be an air tag for you. I'm willing. It's not glamorous. It's what you need. And I want to be what you need until I die. Must Jesus bear the cross alone and, and all the world go free? No, there's a cross for everyone. And there's a cross for me.